Good morning, good morning, good morning, people. Uh, we are glad to have you today here once more on this beautiful July morning. Uh, I know it's a bit cold out there, but we thank God that we are alive and well. This is Anthony Kuria and my partner Zipora, being uh, directors at Aurum Consultants. And we are happy today to have our guest, Mr. James Kinudia, uh, who is with us. Today, we want to discuss something that is very important in the workplace. Do you know anything to do with workplace safety? For you as an employer and for you as an employee, workplace safety is something that is very important. Workplace safety and compliance to be to discuss the full title is very, very important. For you as an employer, there are things you do not know about or there are things you don't want to understand, please listen in. For you as an employee who want to understand what exactly happens for me when I go to that workplace, keep your ear here. We will discuss a lot of good, good stuff. So, then we have Mr. James Kumudia. He is our guest today. Uh, James is the director of Safe Pro Limited, who are environmental health and safety consultants. And uh, James is a good friend of ours. He is a, he has a BSc in biochemistry and a master of science in occupational safety and health. So we are talking to an expert today. James, yes, tell us more about yourself. Good morning, everyone. My name is James Kinutia Wailaka. I'm a health and safety consultant. Uh, for about 10 years now, and uh, as you've heard from uh, couriers, um, my background basically is in safety. Safety is what I love, it's what I do. And uh, at SafePro, basically, we do compliance. Uh, we assist clients to comply with the law, what we call the red tips in business. We help you comply with environmental requirements, the impact of your business, uh, any negative impacts they may be having, we help you mitigate on that. And we also help you comply with OSHA 2007, which basically says that all workers in the workplace must remain safe. Their safety and their health and their welfare must be guaranteed by the employers. So basically that's what we do. Uh, we, we basically help you set up the systems for helping you manage health and safety in the workplace. Yeah, so that's a brief introduction. We can proceed, Laura. Yes, thank you, thank you, James. Thank you, James. That's a very clear concise introduction. Now, we want to start with the question. Mm -hmm. I to my partner here. Why is working safety important? Wow. Good morning, all. I think that's a very wonderful question about uh, the workplace safety and why it is important. And from where I sit, um, for any employee who would want to work for you, they would want first to understand how secure is the environment I'm working in. And it's important to look at the safety uh, aspect of our workplace because it lays a lot of uh, foundation uh, in terms of uh, our employees are going to walk around, sit and work, uh, get things done around. And the importance of the uh, safety, again, we have to look at uh, what are the issues that actually would cause a risk to us as employers. What are the issues that would cause a risk to our employees? Mm -hmm. And how does this actually touch on our uh, policies and procedures when it comes to the safety in the work environment? 
So again, there's a lot of parameters we have to look into to ensure there's actually safety for our employees and even for us uh, as employers. Uh, again, this also extends actually even to our visitors who come to visit our work environment. Again, what mitigations have we put in place to ensure where we are working, the environment we are working within is a safe environment. And again, I'm sure James will help us understand and um, unwrap this a little bit more. You know, there's regulation actually that dictates uh, measures that have to be in place mm -hmm. for us to ensure the safety in the work environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it is important actually to ensure the safety of where we work in. Thank you, thank you, Ziki. The, the issue of safety in the workplace is something that um, most employers uh, only deeply aware that it is important to post certain measurements. And most of the time we think about safety because we are afraid the Ministry of Labor will come up on us or something will happen that will cost us a lot of money. Yeah. These are some of the dangers that we face. Now, James, I'll turn to you. Yeah. Yes. What are some of the law requirements on safety workplaces that are proposed in Kenya? All right. So in Kenya, uh, the main act that deals with health and safety is what we call OSHA 2007. Basically, it is Occupational Safety and Health Act of 2007. And that is not to say that before 2007, there was no act dealing with health and safety. Mm -hmm. There was what we call the Factories and Other Places of Work Act. But uh, simply even from the name, people used to assume that workplaces then are only factories and industry in the, in the industrial area and, uh, you know, along Mombasa Road. So people in Westland would think then we don't need health and safety in our workplace. Mm -hmm. So what OSHA came to do basically is define a workplace as mm -hmm. any location, vessel, uh, wherein and uh, on or uh, at any work is done. That is what is defined as a workplace under OSHA 2007. And so basically this act therefore applies to all employers, whether you have one or two or 10 or even 500 employees. Mm -hmm. And so OSHA 2007, as a law, it guarantees all employees three things. One is safety, the other one is health, and the third one is welfare. And now when you try and break down all these things, you realize now the safety has to do with the physical layers of the workplace, the machines they are using. Uh, the chairs and the desks in terms of economics. When it comes to health, you're looking at cleanliness, the washrooms, water for drinking. You're looking at uh, exposure to chemicals, exposure to biological hazards. And when it comes to welfare, now you're looking at the other things in the workplace that would make people comfortable. You know, like health programs, uh, talking to people about uh, lifestyle diseases, providing a locker where I can keep my jacket uh, as, I, as I start my work in the workplace, having a first aid kit, and so many other provisions. But basically, the framework of health and safety in Kenya is therefore anchored on OSHA 2007. And under it are so many other what we call subsidiary legislations. And these basically are made to help now employers understand more. Like for example, if I set up a first aid team in my workplace, if I have a hundred, how many first aiders do I need? That is not clearly stipulated in the act. Therefore, there is what we call the first aid rules that are therefore able to guide the employer on how many you need in terms of first aid, the size of first aid kit that you need, and all those things. Okay, awesome, awesome. That is very, that is very con uh, concise, uh, James. Uh, issues to do with, you know, what was there before OSHA. I mean, what was there before uh, uh, the law in two thousand and seven? Weba, Yes, and what 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 came thereafter? Now, one of the things that 
a lot of employers will wonder and ask themselves, okay, there's all these regulations that, you know, that I have to comply with. And uh, as you say, there are subsidiary uh, uh, legislation that come on top of, you know, Weber. And probably most of them will think, you know what, I have five, three, five, six, you know, ten employees, you know, we are a service industry. We just go out there on the road and stuff like that. Now, tell us from and you know from specifically on the employers part, what are they required to to register? How are they required to register workplaces with the Ministry of Labour? How does that process go? So, um, by law, um, the, the, the Minister of Labour through now the Directorate of Occupational Health and Safety wants to have a register of all workplaces so that they can benefit from the programs that the government has on health and safety. And so by that, Section 44 of the Act therefore stipulates that every workplace must register with the director. And this is done by filling a form, actually two forms. One is Form 21A and the other one is uh, Form 23. We call them DOSH 21 and DOSH 23. And these forms basically you're giving information about the workplace. You're giving us the number of staff where you are located, the plot number, the kind of building you're in, is it a permanent semi-structure, is it storage, is it non-storage, how many washrooms do you have, how many are male, how many are female, how many wash basins, how many rhinos do you have, what do you deal with, what are the raw, what are the raw materials, what is the process and what are the products, what are the waste you generate, what are the hazards in the workplace, have you carried out a risk assessment, have you carried out um, a safety audit, have your staff gone for the statutory medical examinations. So this is the information you provide for the director. And you submit this to DOSH after having paid 5,000 to the central government revenue account mm -hmm. under the name of your county. So if it's Nairobi, for example, the code will be NRB 047. If it is Machakos, it will be MKS 016 or 022. So basically you register per the county that you're in by submitting these forms and paying a fee of 5,000 shillings to the department and you wait for about two or three weeks and then the license or rather the registration comes out. Now, remember this registration is not a one-off. You actually have to renew every 12 months. But the beauty about it is not like the city council that expires January to December. If you register in November, it runs all the way to the next year in November. If you register in March, it goes all the way to the next year in March. Uh, I hope that, yes. That is very clear. Uh, something uh, zippy. Tell me, uh, now with what James has told us, mm. can you give us more flesh and bones into, into how employers ought to deal with these issues to do with the registration? Um, first, let me say from where I sit, I think uh, a lot of us employers actually don't understand this act and don't understand uh, we need to actually register our workplace uh, with, the, with the ministry, with the director. And Again, maybe actually uh, James can help us understand what mm -hmm. are the dangers of me as an employer not registering uh, my work environment as a workplace. Is there mm -hmm. any danger uh, to that? Again, you have mentioned that this um, actually applies to any employer. Some mm -hmm. of us operate uh, Jokali businesses. Mm -hmm. Does that still affect me? All right. Yeah, so. Um, I want to start with the Juakali section because uh, the law is very clear that the responsibility for those people who are self-employed is to also keep their workplace safe and free from hazards, even for the people who are working around them. And they are also required to report any accidents in case they happen. 
and uh, they are also required to actually register. However, when you are not able to register, of course, the government currently does not have the capacity to be able to check even in the Jokali sector, but even self-employed people are actually subject under this act, and it is very clear on that particular paper. Now, when it comes now to what if I don't register? Now, there are two things. One is uh, the legal implications, because failure to register in itself attracts 100,000 shillings as a, uh, as a fine. In case you are now uh, convicted and found to be guilty, you you find 100,000 shillings, and uh, this is per director. All right, so if you're three directors, uh, the person actually, uh, the prosecutor, who can be the county occupational safety and health officer, can decide to charge one director or all the three directors. And therefore, the fine will be applicable per director. Because the Lord only recognizes the owner of the business as a person who is responsible for putting this in place. Because when you start a business and you say we are going to process or we are going to manufacture, or we are going to import and do this, basically you put together a set of risks. And therefore, you are the only person who is also responsible for managing how these risks will be reduced so that they do not cause any harm to the people you bring on board as your resources. Secondly, other now than the legal fines, is the issue of, let's say someone gets injured in the workplace and you have WIPA insurance. Because now OSHA 2007 is a sister to the act called WIPA 2007, the Work Injuries Benefit Act. Yes. Under WIPA, your insurer will not take your claim unless the workplace registration number is clearly indicated in your claim form which wow. therefore means even for you to report an accident that has happened in the workplace mm -hmm. so that you can find this to insurance maybe someone has gotten permanent disability or let's say it's temporary disability and there are medical bills you want to claim back from the insurance mm -hmm. these will not be processed unless you have registered the workplace so it's a catch-22 you have an insurer who is telling you unless you go back and register with dosh we cannot process this claim because Weber 2007 and OSHA 2007 are tied at the hip. So those are the two implications. One is the legal fines, and two is that you cannot report and get compensation for an accident in the workplace without registering the workplace. Wow. Um, that is very uh, good information, uh, James, you're giving us. So basically what you're saying is not good enough to just take Weber. If I have not registered my workplace and I have a yes. claim, then that claim will not be processed. So it in other words, I still have a risk at hand. And yes. that that means that, uh, again, if that claim is not processed, I could end up having litigation issues. Yes, or you end up paying from your pocket because WIPA says you must pay in 90 days, whether it is you paying or the insurer. And if the insurer then does not pay, the employee must be compensated, even if it comes from the company coffers. Mm -hmm. So that's the risk that you run even by not registering the workplace. So again, to our viewers, this is very important information that we need to be aware. It's not just good enough to register for WIPA or pay for WIPA, but it's important to register our workplace as um, a workplace environment and have the necessary documentation. Otherwise, we'll end up having situations at hand that are going to be difficult to mitigate. Again, over to you, Anthony. Yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, James. Yes. You are telling us some deep stuff right there. And for you, our listener, I know most of you are running businesses because most of the people who are listening in are you know, small-scale business people, people running, consultancies, people running, they are, you know, business you're running. Remember, as James has said, it only costs you 5,000 shillings to register with the ministry. 
and the process is straightforward if you're registering now in july if you decide to become compliant now in july the certificate will last one year yes you may feel you know you know most of us kenyans uh, we think oh, <laughs> regulations blah 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 why can the government allow us just to go out and do business mm. i'll say again follow procedure it is better to be delayed now I mean, you already took time to register business. Mm -hmm. You went to the state law office, mm -hmm. filled all those forms, got the memorandum and articles of association in place. Mm -hmm. You're in business. You have your business plan. Mm -hmm. Now, complying with labor regulations is a plus mm -hmm. and not a minus. Mm -hmm. I mean, engaging someone, engaging somebody to come and help you put the things in place will will will, will spare you a lot of tears mm -hmm. in the future. Now. James, I have another question here. Yes. I'm sure many people here will, uh, our listener here would want to understand. Sure. See, employers are required by law to yes. carry out annual safety audits. Okay, now yes. you're done, you've done necessary, you've, you've registered, uh, it registers as a workplace, you've put everything in place. But now, beyond the registering, there is the annual safety audits. Yes. Can you probably share a bit about what this is all about. Yeah, so um, under the law again, uh, you're looking at, uh, and it's not just the annual safety audit, mm -hmm. there are three main audits under the Act that must be done, and that is every 12 months. Mm -hmm. The first is what you call a risk assessment. A risk mm -hmm. assessment can be done by you as an employer and you submit to DOSH, or you can engage an expert to do it if you don't have capacity internally. So that is, a, that is optional. You can either be done by an advisor or it can be done by yourselves. Basically, a risk assessment is where you look at the activities that you have in the workplace, the processes, uh, the inputs and the outputs, and you ask yourself, what could happen in the process and what have we done to mitigate on what could happen? So, for example, if you have any work at height, of course, someone could fall. Someone could get into contact with the overhead power lines. So you're asking yourselves, what have we put in place to protect this person? Do you have a scaffold? Do you have any structure that supports them when they are there? If it is needed to have PPE, do they have what you call the harnesses? So the risk assessment basically is you telling DOSH, these are our risks, this is what we have done about them. And that is submitted to DOSH. That is a risk assessment. The second audit is the one you're talking about, the health and safety audit. And the health and safety audit now comes to look at the entire system of health and safety in the workplace. And it starts with who is responsible for safety? How have they been able maybe to delegate that function maybe to all lines, all departments and all uh, sections in the workplace? Uh, what are the trainings that have been done? You know, who is in charge of these trainings? Um, how often are they done? If a workplace has more than 20 people, have you formed what you call a health and safety committee? Because this one is required. Because at the end of the day, remember, yes. a manager will not go to court to ask any violation. It is the director to go. And mm -hmm. so what the law has done is because it understands you as the director are busy chasing a business and making sure that your shareholders get their yeah. dividend. So yes. basically what you've been given is an opportunity to form a health and safety committee. And this committee comprises of management and workers in equal numbers. So that if you have between 20 and 50 employees, you form three managers and three workers, you have a committee of six minimum. If it is between 100 and 1,000, you have five, five. If between 1,000 and more, then you have seven, seven. Mm -hmm. This committee must meet every three months. That is four times a year. They must also conduct a workplace inspection every three months. 
yeah. and this report is consumed by the director to find out what yeah. more do I need to do to ensure my people are safe and to avoid the red tapes that come with non-compliance with safety. So that is the health and safety audit. And it captures a lot of things. It goes even to checking whether you've marked your washrooms, whether they are separate and they are clean, whether the machines have proper signage, whether they have emergency stock buttons, whether your people are comfortable, the seats they are using in regards to the height of the tables. Are they sitting in the correct postures under ergonomics? Are they being exposed to chemicals? And do they know which chemicals they're being exposed to? So that is the health and safety audit. And it, we could say a lot about it, but that's just a brief. The third audit that must be conducted is what we call the fire safety audit. Yeah. Now, fire safety audit is very specific to fire issues. And we are looking at, do you have people who know how to fight a fire? Do you have the equipment? Where do they escape to? When they escape, do you have a place where they can meet and be accounted for? What is the system you will use to be able to check that everyone has been accounted for? Do you have a first aider? Do you have the first aid kit in itself? Do you have emergency numbers that you could summon the help? of the fire brigade, the police, uh, you know, the ambulance, and all other responders you'd want to call. So that must be in place. What are the signages, burning, smoking in the work? I know it is common sense, but mm -hmm. the law requires that you must post that signage. So those are the three audits. Risk assessment, health and safety audit, and a fire safety audit. Very important. Wow, wow, yes. wow, wow, wow. Wow, James, you have nailed it properly. I mean, it's clear, concise, and I mean, and, and, and up there. If you are running a workplace, if you're an employer, you've got to run uh, an annual uh, audit, take the initiative, because if you're the director, the law holds you accountable, not your manager, not your staff, not even the shareholders, you as the director. For those who are watching us, welcome, welcome. Uh, send your questions or comments to us. As you can see, we are discussing a very important topic, the issue of work safety and compliance. That the audits involve risk assessment, health and safety, uh, and fire and uh, fire and safety audits. Now, I want to turn to my co-director here. Uh, she's our HR uh, advisor. Now, as a HR advisor, or a, what do you think to out there people who are HR uh, officers or business owners? Um, how would you use these audit reports, uh, these safety audits? How, how would they handle this, these things? I think that's a very important question because like uh, James has told us, uh, these audits need to be done on an annual basis. Mm -hmm. And when the audits are done by the auditor, you're given a report. So the big question is yes. what do you use those reports for? Yes. And I think it's important for you to look at uh, what are the areas that have been highlighted that need mm -hmm. to be worked on. Mm -hmm. Are there any risk um, elements that uh, as a management or as, as a, an HR person you need to start looking at and start working on those issues? He's talked about um, if you have 20 employees, for instance, uh, you need to have a safety and health committee. Are those things in place? And if they're not in place, then what do you need to start doing as a director or as a nature person to start putting those measures in place? He's talked about uh, ergonomics, about postures, um, about uh, equipment employees are using to work. Are they comfortable? Again, if you don't have the proper equipment, you don't have the proper chairs, then what are you going to do as a company to start putting those things in place? It could be issues to do with um, 
fire and safety. You know, you don't have fire marshals in place. Again, it 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 brings a framework where you need to start putting in place. Um, you know, the training mechanisms and mm -hmm. make sure your people are trained. Mm -hmm. Make sure you do fire drills. Make sure people understand if there's a fire in the vicinity, then what is supposed to happen? How do you account for those people? Then internally, you start actually having those processes and procedures in place of knowing the how to do and when. Uh, the other thing, again, with these audits, when you do them, you know, it's also it, it also makes employees know that you're taking care of their own welfare because you're putting all these measures in place to take care of their own um, uh, own rights. Because mm -hmm. as an employee, it's my right actually to work in an environment that is safe and that is health. Because if that measure is not put in place, then I'll not be comfortable actually working for you. So it's very important to actually use these reports mm -hmm. for your own benefit and to mitigate any risk exposures that you might have as an employer. Yes. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Now, <laughs> Uh, uh, business people, uh, especially those who are running their own enterprises, directors, please note, it is to your own advantage mm -hmm. to put these measures in place and to adhere to them. Because we keep saying, you know, most employers, and uh, James, you'll probably hear, uh, probably you've heard this, that yeah. employers say that the employees are their mm -hmm. greatest asset. Mm -hmm. Now, please, uh, safety, uh, safety measures. Then demonstrates that your your you, your money is where your mouth is. Sure. Now I want to ask you a question, Dennis. Yes. Uh, probably people are wondering. They are, I mean, some of our guests are wondering. Then who can carry out these audits? If I don't have the capacity, yeah. I mean, I'm doing my stuff. Then who can carry out these uh, audits? Probably you help us on that. So um, I'll start with, uh, like I said, risk assessment, you can do it yourself or get an expert to do it for you. Health and safety audit can only be done by what we call approved advisors. And these ones are listed in the Directorate of Occupational Safety and Health Services website, where you'll see a list of approved safety advisors to carry out health and safety audits. When it comes to the fire audit, again, an advisor does not carry out a fire safety audit. The fire safety audit is carried out again by people who are called approved fire safety auditors. And the list is also on the website. You can access them and be able to find them. That is not to say that a single individual cannot be both. You'll have an individual who has both advisory approval and uh, is also an approved fire safety auditor. Beyond just those two, there are others, for example, looking at your lifts and looking at the boilers, there's what we call approved plant examiners. This will come and check whether your equipment that is likely to fall, uh, to cause injury due to fall or explosion has been checked and is in good working condition, what we call free from pattern defects. Mm -hmm. uh, it is of good uh, construction, you know, and uh, basically it can be used safely in the workplace. The third category that, or the fourth category that is also listed among the approved persons is a doctors we call approved the uh, designated health practitioners. Mm -hmm. Now these don't carry out the workplace medical examinations. And I've seen workplaces taking people for medical checkups in a clinic. When you ask for medicals, they tell you, yeah, we went uh, to this uh, clinic and we were checked here as certificates. Please note that for occupational medical exams, they are only carried out by designated health practitioners and these are doctors again 
who are also listed on the government website. You can find that list, download it, call anyone, let them give you a quote and uh, find out how you can work with them. The other option is looking now for firms uh, that have now a consortium of all these people in one room and be able to talk to them to assist you in getting you the different experts uh, in this category. Uh -huh. So uh, your company, SafePro, does, yes. does it offer all this together? Yes, so what SafePro is, is actually a consortium of experts. We have environmental experts, we have safety advisors, we have fire auditors, we have uh, uh, DHPs, we have uh, approved plant examiners, we have uh, all these people that you need basically to be able to comply with the law, again, based on your operations. Because some operations will require some of these things, some will not require. But for risk, fire and OSH, those are global. They are applicable for all businesses. They are universal. Mm. So it does not matter the kind of business you're in, whether in manufacturing, in service industry, in financial sector, insurance, all of you require to be able to comply with these three on the um, basic. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Mm. That's a yes. Is something yeah, actually, um, just wanted to make a comment uh, again to our viewers. Uh, please uh, send us your comments, send us your questions, and we'll be happy to respond to you. Again, uh, again, uh, the government recently in uh, opening up the economy uh, after the closure um, due to the COVID situation has uh, asked employers actually to file mm. a and audit uh, returns. So mm. maybe you can help us understand. Yeah, I am I'm an employer. I have not registered my workplace and the government mm. is asking me I need to make returns. Where do I yeah. start? So you start with registering the workplace. That one, there's no shortcut about it. Because even in that uh, circular that DOSH released, uh, what we call the post-COVID uh, return to work guidelines, mm. they still insist that we need to register with the uh, directorate so that we can start also benefiting from the information that is flowing from the ministry for workplaces. Mm -hmm. um, beyond that, um, I would want to say that after you have registered, then you now also, you can do them actually concurrently. You can submit your registration uh, for, for, for approval. And then at the same time, you start conducting what they've asked for, that is a risk assessment mm -hmm. and the safety and health audit post COVID. And basically what they want to understand is what are the realignments that you have done to ensure your people as they return back to work, they do not, uh, they are not exposed to a higher risk of contracting this pandemic that we are now in. Remember what we are saying is it will never be normal again. This is the new normal. And that is why she's asking all workplaces within 30 days, please submit a fresh audit telling us what you have done. Because no one can say, you know what, so for us, we don't feel like we need to. Every workplace must. This is the new normal. And we are saying realignment must be done. Mm. And so Dosh is simply asking, what have you done about it? We want to see how you have uh, moved the workplace, you know, uh, redesigned the layout of the workplace to ensure social distancing how you're doing your disinfection program in the workplace, how you want to monitor the people who are now being called the vulnerable. That is mm -hmm. anyone above 58 years and anyone who has an underlying condition. They want to see that you set up a response team within the workplace to address any issues. They want to know that you have an isolation facility. It may not be a, you know, a GST room or anything, but somewhere you know you can hold someone in isolation as you are waiting for the Ministry of Health officials or maybe transportation to hospital. And they also want to know how have you communicated? Because communication is very important. 
and we, we are not asking for very wordy uh, information. Just put up signages, posters, talking about washing of hands, talking about how you sneeze, talking about how you keep social distance, so that people are told on a regular basis what to do to prevent the spread of this mm. virus. Mm. Yes. And so that is why the guidelines are there. And mm. uh, normal, we must accept that it cannot continue being the same way as it was before. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Wow. Wow. Uh, to you, my listener, uh, to you, those of us who are watching, uh, this is serious stuff. Mm. Yeah? James has broken it down to us mm. about workplace safety, mm. issues to do with the regulator, what the regulator wants, issues to do with you as an employer, your responsibility. And I want to emphasize this um, very clearly to our, to our listener. It is to your advantage mm. to put in place a workplace safety compliance system, mm -hmm. whereby the same way you think about your suppliers, the same way you think about your, you know, your creditors, the same way you think about your bankers, same way you think about your uh, customers, put, if you are really serious about putting your employers, uh, uh, your employees' uh, uh, welfare into place, then this is a very important thing to put in. And as James has told us, it is not very expensive. There is something, all you need to do is put your mind to it. If you're a small scale company, I mean, you think you have five, six, 10 employees, put something in place. The cost of failing to adhere to these requirements is far higher than the cost of uh, just putting these regulations in place. Probably you could uh, summarize for us. What do you think uh, about our discussion today? What should employers, um, especially workplaces, do? Wow, very informative, very engaging conversation. And I believe that uh, we are all learning today on the things that we need to do to keep our places of work safer. And I would actually want to engage uh, James a little bit more, and especially yeah. on these uh, post COVID measures. Uh, yeah. because um, in the workplace, uh, some of the workers have to undergo medical examinations. Um, yes. Um, I know these uh, medical exams have to be done every six months. And now mm. with the wake of uh, COVID, uh, mm. again, how is this going to impact actually doing those medical exams going forward? And especially for uh, employees who are working in uh, FMNCG uh, organizations where they mm. have to be uh, people working in supermarkets, how do, how do we envision this actually will be looked into uh, going forward, looking mm -hmm. at all the new normal? Mm -hmm. So, um, first of all, we must uh, agree that uh, it's a difficult time and we are all trying to understand how to go about it. No one is very clear on uh, how to prevent. So even the government, some of the guidelines they are issuing, they are issuing in the hope that, you know, they will help mm -hmm. in stopping the spread. Because even if I test and I go back to work, and in the evening I'm in a matatu, I could still contract uh, the disease. Mm -hmm. And tomorrow, because I'll not be tested again, yes. then what does it mean? Yeah. So yes, let's, let's do the test where we can. And uh, when you're talking about the medical examination that Dosh has talked about, they may not necessarily be the COVID test, because Dosh is not asking everyone to do a COVID test, by the way. Mm -hmm. The COVID tests are sector specific. Uh, for example, the restaurants and uh, the people have been asked that they must test for COVID. But for the rest of the workplaces, there is no requirement that all of us must test for COVID. First of all, to clarify that. What Dosh is asking for is what we call the fitness to work certificate. 
done by a DHP, that is a designated health practitioner. Okay. And that can be as cheap as 500 to 1,000, depending on the doctor you go to, because they are doing a general medical examination. The number of us have been home, and uh, maybe our tasks require, uh, you know, strenuous activities. So basically, you have been told, just go be checked whether you're fit for a particular activity. Some of us have developed some of these lifestyle diseases out of just staying at home and relaxing. So you're being told, just go get checked so that we know you're actually fit to go back to to work. And that is what we're asking for. They're not asking for a COVID test. Secondly, mm -hmm. uh, what I would also want to urge everyone to do is that these measures are only effective if we go back and continue observing what mm -hmm. we've been doing. That the medical exam in itself is not to say, now you're good, go back to the normal. Mm -hmm. We are saying you've been given a certificate of fitness to prove yes, at the point you're going back to work, you're okay. But even then, when you go back to work, let's not ignore the guidelines that have been issued. And it's a whole, uh, we've, we've been able to summarize, it's like 16 items mm -hmm. that we need people to, to comply with under the DOSH uh, guidelines. And yeah. so what I would say is that, uh, yes, let's do the, the medical examinations. It's a requirement under DOSH and we're able to submit them. But beyond that, that is what you'd call the basic minimum. Actually, all laws just give us the basic minimum. Mm -hmm. And if you say you're going to comply and rest at that point, then I think I'll call it a lazy approach because you mm -hmm. want to go beyond the bare minimum to mm -hmm. continue the improvement where you now even have a very robust safety system within mm -hmm. the world. You know, let the response committee on COVID be able to check even how you're handling your own uh, desk and mm -hmm. in relation to sanitization, uh, mm -hmm. whether you have your own hand sanitizer, whether you're putting your mask on all the time. Because I realize people are putting on the mask when you get to the office, you remove it because I know these people. Social distancing is not uh, with the people you don't know. It's just everyone, basically, because the virus is being transmitted from person to person. Mm -hmm. That is a bigger, biggest risk because even the surfaces are not as, a big, as big as a risk as from person to person. So let's take that as the bare minimum, but then build on it by being more proactive in the workplace. Awesome, awesome, awesome. James, today you have blown the charts. Today, uh, to, uh, as, a, as, a, as a prospective you know, and as an employer, I am learning a lot of things. I am, you know, I have a workplace. I'm, I've been jotting down notes, you know, soaking from you. And for you who is listening, if you'd like to know more about James and how uh, how you can improve your workplace, what you can do to comply with government regulations, get in touch with us at www.auramconsultants.co.ke uh, or at consult at auramconsultants.co.ke. Uh, we'll be able to assist you on the same. Uh, so for now, we, we are about to close. Uh, I don't know whether you have any closing remarks. What I would uh, encourage uh, our viewers, um, if you are an employer, uh, make sure you register your workplace uh, with the director so that, again, you don't get yourself in uh, trouble. Make sure you carry out the necessary audits so that you can ensure the work environment is safe for your employees and even for yourself. Mm -hmm. Remember, you spend more time in the office, actually, than you spend in your own house. So mm -hmm. why not make the work environment safer for you? Again, mm -hmm. it's important for us to take care of our employees because, like you keep saying, mm -hmm. they are the most critical assets you can have. So let's keep our places of work safe. Yes, thank you. Thank you. For those of us who are, for those who have been sending their comments, thank you very much. We appreciate your comments. We have received a few comments from uh, from John Ngige, 
I like this. Good job, guys. Zipping Jerry, thank you for logging in. Uh, and, uh, and others, we appreciate for all those who have been watching. We really appreciate the fact that you have logged in to learn more. Because if you are an employee, you'd want to know how is my workplace looking? How are, are we compliant? And especially now that COVID is ravaging the world, it's very important for all of us responsibility of our work environment. James, we want to thank you. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for the for coming and giving us very priceless advice. And, and as I said, keep this conversation going because this topic of workplace is very wide. It's sure. very deep, very wide. I'm sure even the people who come to consult with you, yeah. uh, by the time you're going to see them for the second or third time, they are wondering, James, I thought we did this last year. What's happening? These are new things. Yeah. This thing is why you've got yes. to take care of it. And definitely, yeah. uh, we, will, we will want to have you come in yeah, in another session. Uh, Thank Chris Safari, thanks for those comments. Good job, guys. In, in times, let's let's have more of these sensational programs. James, mm. all, all, thank you for the comments. We appreciate you. We will indeed be having it more and more regular. We are always here on Saturday from 10 o'clock a.m. So log in every Saturday. We have more and more of these um, insightful, uh, insightful information webinars where we want to educate and uh, help our you know those who are running businesses and those who are also employed. Anybody in business, this is the place to be. As, as HR and risk advisors, we, our work is to enable those who are running businesses focus on their jobs so that whatever it is that they're not able to uh, to handle, we can plug in and help them. So thanks for your time. We appreciate James. We'll be having this conversation hopefully very soon so that you can give us more information. Sure. Thank you very much for watching. Thank you for inviting me. Here. Let's see you same time next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.